All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Illuminati podcast, proudly, proudly presented by Irish 31. Guys, there's two more road games left on this whole, this uh, 2021 USF football season at Tulane at Central Florida. Make sure you're, you go out to the seven great locations that Irish 31 has. We had a great watch party there a few weeks ago. It was a, a lot of fun. Uh, just go out there, have some fun, you know, drink some drinks, have some good food, hang out with, uh, coach Scott. They've got wall to wall flat screens. Uh, if you take a picture with, uh, Jeff Scott, they've got a cardboard cutout at every single Irish 31 location and, uh, just tweet at Irish 31, uh, and, and on Instagram as well at Irish 31 hashtag, uh, horns up. You'll be entered to, to win some, win some contests, win some tickets, uh, as the, the season winds down here. A uh, lot to lot to go over tonight. Jam packed show, guys. I just went and saw Santa. It was great. Bass Pro Shops, folks. Free pictures with Santa. Uh, Brody and Olivia looked cute as a button, so it was great. But let's just jump into it. Stieg, men's basketball is back. Men's basketball is back. It's the only thing I live for, the sport that I, I genuinely didn't care about before joining uh, us on the Daily Stampede, and I really still don't care too much about <laughs> even on the Daily Stampede, but uh, I, I at least have been uh, fully ingrained into the off-season flutter. It's kind of like when you watch like the third season uh, of like Lost or something like that, and you're just like really like all into it, and you kind of have to like be really ingrained into it now. Uh, that's kind of where I'm in. I am with the with my love hate relationship with the USF men's basketball here. Well, hopefully it ends better than loss. Does it typically ever end better than lost? Uh, once in the last decade. We have so, uh, a CBI championship banner to to speak to it to speak to this this dynamic program. Hmm. Jokes on you, Josh C. I've had my Christmas tree up since last December. Never took it down. Decorated for every holiday, and now it is already decorated for Christmas. I did yard work this weekend to set up for the Christmas lights. Seth, your wife and my wife probably should be best friends. Uh, they are hardcore into Christmas. How many trees are in your house right now? Like full size, I don't. We haven't broken out the full size one yet because we have to. We have to clear out space for it. But we've probably got like little trees, like the one behind me, probably six or seven. I'd bet maybe more than that. They're just a bunch of little ones right now, just setting the stage. Yeah, absolutely. My wife would. Uh, my wife, sorry, Josh. My wife says Thanksgiving's not a real holiday. <laughs> you get third. You get Wednesday night, Thursday, and then some of Friday morning, and that is it. That's it. That's it. No, you, you skip Thursday for me. That's <laughs> it. You get. I, I get like three months of of Christmas. Like yeah. the second October one hits, like I'm like I'm in like nightmare for Christmas mood. Um, you know, get a little spooky in there, but you know, second second that day turns, it's just we're in full Christmas mode now. Yeah, we start yeah. Halloween August first, so. This house, this house is in holiday mode as soon as football season comes around. So it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, well, it was a nice little treat. Uh, early Christmas came early for uh, Brian Gregory and the USF Bulls. Uh, they start the season one and zero. 
They take uh, they take down Bethune Cookman, who hadn't played a, a competitive basketball game in uh, what six hundred and twenty days. Their their entire sports calendar got wiped out due to COVID, um, and uh, a little nervy, um, you know, through what twenty five minutes. Maybe maybe thirty minutes of that game, but they pull away. They win seventy five fifty four. Uh, Sorrell Smith with uh, just a beautiful backdoor cover uh, for the Bulls with two seconds left. Nice little layup. Uh, you know he, he got to get on the statute. He only had one point up to that uh, up to that juncture. You got to get got to get a field goal in for so good for him. Um, Brian Gregory and the new look Bulls, man. They, they're they're a little bit more aggressive. They're a little bit more high paced. Uh, Russell Chua. Uh, Jameer Chaplin and Caleb Murphy all in double figures. Uh, Russ went, uh, he had 16 points, went five of six from the field. Uh, most impressive part for him, six of seven from the charity stripe. It was a big point of emphasis, uh, for the Bulls heading into this year. That, uh, you know, they hit just under 70% of their free throws. Uh, so didn't really hurt them. Caleb Murphy went one for four. Uh, Jameer Chaplin went one for two. But uh, Javon Green went two for two. He had seven points. Jake Boggs uh, also had seven points for the starters as well. Uh, they just look more explosive, Stieg. Uh, I mean, a few really great backdoor alley-oops. Uh, just... I mean, I mentioned in our Slack, you know, Jake Boggs going left, turning the corner on a blow by and, and putting in a lefty layup. Uh, granted, it is Bethune Cookman, and you probably can't do that against Houston, Houston and Memphis. But hey, it's a start after what I, last year was. Yeah, it's you know, I, I think a lot of people are gonna you know, the preseason projections on USF, like no one knew what this team was gonna look like. You know, I, I when you have basically like one major contributor coming back from a from a team and then you bring in nine new faces, two new assistant coaches, and then oh yeah, just throw it all in there. We're also completely revamping the the offensive system that this team has been running for the past three years. I mean you could have just put a giant question mark anytime anyone mentioned USF, but we finally got to look at what it looks like, obviously against Voorhees uh, college the week before, and then, you know, and at least a little bit of a competitive, um, you know, mantra against uh, Bethune Cookman there, but it's the way I've been kind of, you know, observing and, and hearing is that the, it's the team's more fun this year. I think last year and the years before, you know, a lot of the times for USF basketball games, it was just, just this slogging rock fest of hero ball and yep. letting LaQuincy Rideau and, and, you know, the whole crew just drive to the basket, collect a rebound, maybe, you know, follow it up in there. And, you know, I, I was very, very pleased. You know, I, I, I kind of have been looking at the early part of this season a lot, how I looked at, you know, the USF football team. I'm not caring too much about just the straight up wins and losses Obviously, you don't want to lose your gimme game against uh, a you know a lower school like Bethune Cookman, um, but the amount of progress that you that we saw tonight just straight up from the first you know ten minutes of the game, the second you know the the middle twenty, and the last ten minutes. I mean, it, there was a completely different feel about this team, and that's still without two really heavy contributors with Jalen McCreary and Corey Walker Jr. Uh, right. Jalen McCreary was was sick. Um, flu's going around again, and uh, uh, Corey Walker Jr. had a, a little bit of a little 
I don't want to say what the injury is, but uh, I mean, he's, he's, off, on, least, uh, he's on crutches. He answered. Yeah, he's on crutches. So, okay. <laughs> I didn't know how much we were going to say on that. Um, but, you know, he's out for probably about another three weeks. And that's, you know, two guys that they were also very much leaning and, and heavily looking at uh, for contributions this year. So all things considered, uh, the team covered. Uh Shot free throws pretty well up until uh, the announcers jinx came in when they were, I think, like 15 for 17. Uh, allowed them to miss a, a few more towards the end there. Um, hit some threes. Uh, had some really good look at threes. Just some of them didn't fall. You know, I, I, you would hope with a team that's revamped and focused on shooting the three that you hit more than three a game. But at the end of the day, you still won by 21 points. And uh, you, had a, you had more fun. Saw a lot of alley oops. Saw a lot of dunkarinos. It was fun stuff. Yep, I think the couple of things that kind of stand out to me: uh, everybody who played scored, so that's that's always good to kind of get everyone involved, right? Uh, Sam Hines Jr. had nine points off the bench uh, for the Bulls. Uh, I mean, Trey Moss, the the, the true freshman, uh, he had two points in, in eleven minutes of action. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over, but that's kind of that's been a, a big issue for USF over the last few years under Brian Gregory is they turned the ball over so much, but they didn't tonight. It's only seven turnovers, which is fantastic. And then they had 15 assists on 28 made shots, which is that just that's an indicator of great ball movement. Guys actually moving without the ball and uh, just being able to knock down your shots. They shot 51 percent from the field and then they shot 65 percent in the second half, uh, which is which is pretty damn good. And the final 518 of the game where they really kind of iced and salted this game away, they went on a 14 to one run. Uh, so the defense clamped down, uh, they were able to make some shots uh, and, and just kind of ran away with it. it. It looked dicey early on in, in the first half. They went up 27, 16, uh, pretty, pretty quick. And then Jameer Chaplin goes out, uh, you know, for, for a spell and Bethune goes on an 11, two run to, to end the half and, and, go into halftime tied at 29 and you're thinking, Oh man, this is going to be another one of those uh, type of games where you, you're really playing down to the competition and, and really kind of out of sorts. And they slowly start to, to get it together. I'm not saying this is a, a CBI team by any means. I wouldn't even uh, think of that, but it's a step in the right direction. Um, it, it's tough it's tough knowing with how last season went and everything that went along with last season with COVID, with uh, the issues with Tom Heron, with his uh, racist comments um, to, toward players who are no longer uh, in the program or kind of dispersed across the country at this point. Uh, it's hard to kind of figure if this is a, a – must be over 500 season for Brian Gregory. I think it says a lot that he even came back after everything, after the fallout uh, of everything, uh, the investigation proved that he, he handled everything properly and in, you know, by the letter. So that's, that's a good indication for, for USF and, and good for him. Um, but the time will tell. I mean, it's a, Pretty tough conference slate. Uh, Non-conference is a little bit easier. Uh, I think they kind of learned they need to stack some wins here uh, to get the confidence of of this group before going into conference play. So we'll see. Um, But good start. I like the the win. Um, But 
we'll see how how things actually work. Russell Chua looked actually really good. Uh, I was I was less than impressed uh, by his performance in the first half against Voorhees. He looked. Um, I like to call them BFNs, big for nothing. Yeah, I had no um, idea what a BFN was, by the way. Just full disclosure, it took me like 15 okay. minutes to figure out what you meant by that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big for nothing. Uh, you're seven foot and can't can't do much. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty big insult uh, to guys who are like six two, six three, uh, playing pickup ball and, and they can't do a damn thing on the court. Uh, luckily, I didn't never had that problem. I was just big and. Uh, but I was also just big for nothing, but in the, the wrongs kind of big. Uh, I was good for one game winner uh, on the court. That's about it. I'd go one for 12. I think there's a TikTok couple going around a couple weeks ago where it's just the, the guy who only hits game winners. He'll go 0 for 12 and then hit the game winner and then talk a bunch of shit. That's me. Uh, that's going to be Sorrell Smith this year, by the way, just full, full <laughs> disclosure. I mean, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to do absolutely nothing, but just hit a game winner against UCF for no reason. Well, for a particular reason. Yeah. I mean, and just looking at the plus minus, like the starters were re- really, really freaking good. They're going to have to figure out this bench. Uh, Chua was plus 33. Jameer was plus 30. Caleb was plus 22. Jake Boggs was plus 28. Uh, Javon Green was plus 25. And then literally the bench were all uh, minus, nine, minus 9, minus 4, minus 1, minus 10, minus 9. They got to figure out the bench. I, I, their starting five is decent. Um, and then when they get Jalen McCreary back in and into the fold and get him mixed in, it'll be even better. But the bench may be an issue uh, early on here. Just got to unleash Mark Kalea, baby. Just let him go. Let him <laughs> rip. I mean, he's on he's on scholarship now. Let him play. Mark Kalea hits a three this year. We in, we in the program. We end it. No yeah, reason I mean, to go on further. Can you get higher than a Mark Kalea three? I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, moving on quickly, uh, women's basketball is facing uh, University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. I believe I got that right. Yep. <laughs> Boys got like 18 first names. I don't understand. <clears throat> They're uh, heading into the fourth quarter now. USF uh, leads 55 to 47. Uh, lots of turnovers by the Bulls. Um, kind of the the antithesis the antithesis of the men's game they have 11 turnovers through three quarters uh they're shooting 35 percent uh i dare do not even look at what their layup numbers are but here i go doing doing stupid stuff they're 11 to 21 for in layups um which is less than ideal uh they started all uh they went on a 10 nothing run to start the game so they've been basically out it's basically been an even game since uh since that point so Though I'm sure Jose's had had some words, uh, to say the least. Maybe they'll uh, do another midnight practice. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, they, they can't show clause them twice, right? <laughs> I think, actually, I think they that's can. Du- that's double jeopardy. <laughs> you can't get me on the same thing twice. <laughs> There's no, no one would be that stupid to get in trouble for the same thing twice. No one. No, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, you know, basketball season in, in full tilt now, guys. Let's let's go. USF's going to defend their their regular season and uh, tournament title. That's. Fun stuff. I think this is a second round or bust for this uh, women's basketball team. Um, so we'll get it figured out. They're now uh, up by five uh, early in the fourth quarter, so they need to figure it out quick. Uh, they should not be uh, 
uh, messing around with this team, if we're being perfectly honest. Uh, but let, let's jump into, uh, you know, the kind of the reason we're here, uh, right? It's, it's football season. That's right. <laughs> Seth, uh, we got to contribute you some way. You got to be, got to be involved. Yeah, man. I'm ready. I'm resting I mean, my voice. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate Seth's uh, blank stare as he <laughs> hoped to God. I didn't ask him a question about the two, three zone. Uh, I'm a young, young Bayheim. <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, USF uh, falls to Houston in at homecoming with some great helmets. Uh, they lose 54 to 42. Um, like uh, if USF's defense was not, if USF's defense was bad instead of just horrendously God awful, they may win that game. Um, just could not get a stop when they needed one. Uh, I mean, up and down, up and down, up and down. I, I, you never really thought that that Houston wasn't going to score unless they stopped themselves. And and they did that. They kind of parked the bus a little bit uh, early in that fourth quarter uh, where, where Clayton Toon's kind of throwing the ball all over the place and they three runs and punt. And then he's just letting USF kind of hang around for – uh, some silly reason. I think Dana Hogerson's very conservative play calling on the plus side of the field on fourth down was just kind of uh, puzzling uh, to me. When when you have a chance to put away a bad team, uh, I think you try to do it, especially early on, and he didn't, and it nearly cost them. Uh, but let's let's just kind of get into it. The the good, the bad, the oh my god, why why. Uh, USF's offense, uh, a bit sputtery. Um, they got a couple of good drives. Um, I think Jeff Scott mentioned in his press conference today, uh, every drive that they converted a third down, they scored. Uh, and then that, I mean, Seth, how, how long have we been talking about third down conversions? Uh, three, all, years uh, three years. It's so, uh, It's a pretty... You know, it's one of the fundamental parts of the game. You're good on third downs; would probably be pretty good. And you know, they were they're eight of sixteen on third down, which is pretty incredible compared to what Houston had been giving up, right? And then Houston is is three for ten on third down, but they still rack up six hundred and forty six yards of total offense. They didn't really need third downs much uh, when you can break off a ninety seven yard run on the first play from scrimmage. Uh, after a really great punt and coverage by the, by uh, Andrew Stokes and the punt coverage team, uh, it's just it's tough. Um, and it, yeah, you couldn't run the ball inside. I think the defensive line really kind of gave the the offensive line some fits here, and they really didn't try to do too much on the outside. Uh, we'll we'll get deeper into that uh, tomorrow for our our film, our film room session, but it just seemed, I I don't know. Disjointed would probably be the best word uh, for some spurts of it. Um, Timmy was kind of running for his life a little bit. Had to make some great plays. Uh, The, the escape the pocket to Mitch Brinkman, the escape the pocket to uh, Chris Carter for that touchdown. Just 
two tremendous plays. And there were two other ones. I think he just actually took off and ran with it, which was good. But he finished 22 of 46, 289 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, that 289, I think, I think everything I just said are career highs for Timmy McClain, 22 completions, 46 attempts, 289, two touchdowns. Uh, he hadn't thrown an interception since NC State, but they were pretty costly interceptions. Uh, once again, just kind of taking taking points off off uh, off the scoreboard a little bit, and you know, he'll learn from it. Uh, but it really doesn't matter. I think we're we're kind of beating around the bush here. It really doesn't matter when you're giving up nine point nine yards per play. It doesn't matter what your offense is doing. No, but. You know, 46 seems like a lot of passes, doesn't it? Does that seem like too many to you guys? I mean, I don't think we're going to run the ball, like, realistically. But if he got 46 passes and he's got 11 rushes, how many of those are scrambles off off of passes? Like, like all of them, because they don't, they don't really call design runs. So quarterback. So now, I mean, so you've possibly called 50 dropbacks in a game with a true freshman quarterback against a really good defense. I think he played pretty well, but they're, they're asking him to do an awful lot. Um, yeah. I just, I don't like, I really wish I was on the podcast last week because I, I kind of wanted to mention this. I don't think if USF was going to have a snowball's chance in hell at beating Houston, it was going to be because we would run the ball a lot. Like, yeah. I like yeah we we can lean on the running game against Temple and and ECU and everything like that but like that's that's not just like a, a top rush defense in the in the conference that's like one of the best rush defenses in the country they're giving up like two yards a carry like yeah, and that's against Navy and and yeah, Texas like, Tech and good teams you're in the ball twenty seven times and average four yards a rush now some yeah, but how much playing, but yeah, yeah but you know like. Brian Batie, his first three touches, he had three touchdowns, averaged like 79 yards a touch. Why not get him the ball in the perimeter a little bit? Or, you know, Joy, I don't yeah. think Joyner had a single carry, did he? Yeah. And then Mangum, I think Will said on the post game that he thought Mangum might be banged, oh, banged up. up. Bit. Yeah. He but said yeah, he I mean, twisted his got, knee, right? You've got some guys that have explosiveness on the perimeter. Um, you know, if, if there's especially with McLean, I mean, you start running some. I think they did a little bit of option stuff. That kind of stuff can give people some problems when you got a guy like him back there. And then if he's pitching it to Joiner or Batie out there, and those guys, I mean, just when those guys catch pitches, just they they look like they're shot out of a cannon. Like there's some, there's some, there's some stuff they can do. I don't know if it's they're calling a bunch of RPOs and he's pulling it to throw a bunch of them. Or if they're calling that many passes, but that is a lot to put on uh, a true freshman against a really good defense. He he made some unbelievable plays. So I mean, he's obviously we've been saying all year he's really talented, and you see it. And he's going to be a really good player, and he's already at times really good now. But you're, they're asking him to do an awful lot right now, which um, you know can come back to bite you sometimes. But maybe they just want to you know, hey, we're taking off the training wheels figure it out but um that is an awful lot to ask a freshman to do against a really yeah. good defense it, when you have some good players surrounding him that you can right get, get them the ball in the perimeter let them run get them the ball outside let them you know get them in space and see what they can do 
to your point, Seth, uh, Timmy had 15 first half pass attempts and then 31 in the second half. That's, I don't know. I don't know how much of that is dictated by the game, right? I mean, it was, it was a two score game for a while. And then it was a, a one score game, you know, as they came back with what three fifty nine left. So maybe it's just kind of throwing to get back into the game and, having some success. He was three for 10 on deep passes. Uh, so he hit a couple, right? But I I don't know. I I would have tried a little bit harder to get uh, Batie and Kelly more involved. Uh, yeah. It just, it, as you mentioned, it just seemed, it seemed weird that they kind of gave up on the run pretty, pretty quickly uh, after what, two weeks ago? rushing for a school record and, and they, they still had some success running the ball last week. Um, yeah, Joyner went so, over hundred yards last week and then barely got a touch this week. So I don't, so, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if typically the running back, the, typically the running back coach, right. Is kind of in charge of the rotation. So I don't yeah. know what, you know, how they're doling those out. I mean, is, I think Darian Felix is still, kind of banked up he's not getting any run yeah. uh if if any so according to the stat broadcast which i, I don't wrong, get it mclean had 11 carries but t mangum and joiner together had 14 so that's just they're the guy is talented but man you're asking him to do an awful lot So yeah. me personally, um, I, I kind of wish I would have, I mean, the, I feel like, and I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one. I feel like knowing how much their defensive line was getting penetration, basically the entire game. I almost like Rice and Scott were like, I mean, you're going to probably, I mean, yeah, you're going to get a run like the had uh, for his first score every once in a while. But I just, I mean, Timmy was running for his life almost immediately every single time. Yeah, you yeah, could but, probably run it outside. I would have liked to see them get more creative with these play calls. I think they ran a screen that um, was pretty effective, if I recall correctly, and then kind of didn't, you know, get creative with kind of not. You're not going to be able to run the ball against Houston's defense. Yeah, but if they're if they're really aggressive up front, there's stuff you can do in the run game. You can trap. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you can run draw. You can run screen. There's stuff you can do mm -hmm. to slow them down a little bit, and that'll help on both sides. That'll help the passing game out too, because when they won't be so quick to go. But uh, I mean, this game, like you said, though, Nate, this game was. The offense played well enough to win, regardless. It was just—I thought it was just an interesting look in the box score. That's a lot of throws, um, but this game was not uh, lost by the offense. No, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely not. It was uh, just another kind of mark on the board for Glenn Spencer and maybe his uh, in ineptness uh, as a defensive coordinator. Um, we kind of talked about, I mean, we talked about this, that, you know, he wasn't really great at Oklahoma state. He wasn't, he got really lucky with just a hidden with FAU at the right time with the right team, with, with Lane Kiffin, with the, the turnover luck and being what plus 26, uh, in turnovers. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I get him. Well, I get Jeff Scott. I can, you know, wanting some veteran 
presence on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I truly get it. But I mean, how many more games are you going to have to sit through where you have a lead going into halftime? Because this is the fourth straight game. You've had a lead going into halftime after, you know, after a season where you're started, you're starting out getting absolutely mollywhopped by NC State and Florida. You got to You're figuring it out, right? You're progressing. The offense is progressing. The special teams is by far the best unit on this team. And it's not close. And the defense just kind of dragging itself along and, and you're the dead weight of the defense right now is really setting back any progress of this team. And it doesn't like for the fan base, all they're seeing are wins and losses because the defense is just such a glaring black hole right now. It's tough to take any positives away from it. Like you can't like Brian Batie wins special teams player of the week deservedly. I mean, two touches. Well, he had three returns, but I mean, two kickoff returns, two touchdowns, 200 yards just off of those. And and you're wasting that. And you wasted the one against Tulsa. And then he wasted a pick six in, in Tulsa. You can't be wasting the things that don't happen often and still keep coming up short and allowing a first down every play. It just, at some point, you got to call a spade a spade. And I think Jeff Scott was a little bit... I asked the question on Saturday, is it time to reevaluate the defense coordinator position? You know, I know the fans know everybody knows he's not going to be like, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to, we're going to uh, just uh, we're going to leave him here and he's got to find his own way home. Like that's just not going to happen. I think the more important things are what he said before he started taking questions and he harped on, we have to be better at coaching. We have to be better as coaches. He said that four or five times and it really, that's, that's what he was doing. That's that's the part you need to take from this is he knows they need to be a lot better and not just offensively. I mean, the play calling aside, right? Offensively, 46 passes is a lot. It's the defensive side of the ball that he was really kind of pointing toward. You can't you can't keep doing this. You can't keep doing this and expecting the progress, expecting the fans not to jump ship because Damn, you can't get the rug pulled out from under you so many times, right? And now you're going up against the, the, the you know, as Alex says, he's number five in the CFB. They, they've got an outside shot to, to run the table and, and sneak into the college football playoff. And now Cincinnati must be really motivated because they've had a slow start, what, three or four weeks in a row? They've got to really put the hammer down and put the full court press on uh, this weekend to close out this year. If they really want a shot to kind of usurp this entire process and get into that playoff. Um, so the defense needs to step up and it's Glenn Spencer. It starts with Glenn Spencer. Uh, you're either coaching it or you're letting it happen. And it, it's one of those two, uh, unless Seth, I'm missing something and there's something else that it could be, but it's either you're coaching it or you're letting it happen. And both are not good right now for, for the bulls defensively. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, I think it's a mixture. It's, it's a mixture of um, personnel and, and scheme a little bit. Um, some of the things you have to limit some scheme due to personnel, but there are, you can scheme around it too. Like we talked about, Last week, I think, and I think we even mentioned it a little bit on the post game that, you know, Navy, does Navy have better players than USF? I don't think so, but they're consistently in the right place. They consistently tackle well. They consistently make it tough on teams. They held Tulsa to 200 yards less 
than USF holds Tulsa to, or, or maybe even 300. It was, you know, um, Navy holds Houston to, you know, six yards of play instead of 10 yards of play. So obviously some changes to be made. And, and sometimes, you know, it's not always necessarily this guy's a bad coach or this guy's, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. It, sometimes it just doesn't work and it doesn't fit. So, yeah, you've got to be willing to to make changes to what you've got on hand. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, some guys fit with certain personnel and they really need that personnel and their stuff doesn't work as well with other guys. So I, it's not even I don't think it's even necessarily um, a, a coach is really good or bad, but it's not working, obviously. So something's got to change. Either you've got to make wholesale changes to your scheme, or you got to make wholesale changes to um, players, or you got to make wholesale changes to your staff, or at least you know the coordinator position. I mean, we're seeing this in other places, you know, right up the road in Florida. They held on probably a year too long, and mm-hmm. this season has been a been terrible, and they've kind of just gotten worse and worse and worse. So, if if you feel if you if yours just got feel like this is not working, it doesn't necessarily mean you think this guy's bad or it just doesn't work. Sometimes you just need a different voice in there. So it's not working so far. They've got a few more games to try to change and find something, but it's been a couple of years now and they haven't really been able to find any kind of consistency within the team. So. Uh, they're in a tough spot right now. Yeah, and you mentioned you know Florida kind of hanging on a year too long, right? Uh, now, now Dan Mullen's pressed to kind of find a defensive coordinator who's it's basically a save my job kind of thing. You've got to you've got to hit this defensive coordinator higher out of the ballpark, or you're you're going to be out of the job you know, here I, shortly. And I, and I said for Mullen, and it's really true for all offensive coaches, guys that are more leaning offensive, like Coach Scott. Just Scott's a offensive guy, always has been. Your two most important hires are your offensive line coach and your defensive coordinator. Probably reverse order. Their defense coordinator is probably number one. The next is offensive line coach. So Florida had to fire both theirs. Um, I think you got a really good offensive line coach at USF. Coach Mo is really good. I think really well respected, great recruiter. You've got to figure out what's going on on defense. Uh, whether a change needs to be made, a change in scheme. You know, maybe you know you've trying, trying, trying to make all these guys fit in this certain box. Well, it's time to try something different because what what you're doing is not working. You're not. You know, it's not like they're trying to do the exact same things every week. They are trying different things, but maybe your approach got has to change. Something's got there's something's got to give here because nothing they've tried has been able to work for an extended period of time. It's really been when they played really bad offenses they've been able to execute, and even like FAMU was able to move the ball on them. Really, Temple's the only team that wasn't able to move the ball a lot. They still averaged six yards of play or six point six yards of play. So they still, they still on a per play basis, that's not great either. So something's got to get fixed here. Uh, I'm sure Jeff Scott realizes it and knows it because there's, they've, they've probably left a game or two on the table. It feels like this year. Yeah. Because of the defense. Two or three. Right. It, I was talking, uh, I was talking to uh, Ben McCool, who's he covers uh, USF for rivals. Uh, we were talking after the game and I, 
you know, a few of these games break, right? I mean, maybe you don't beat Houston, right? But you're still kind of in contention, right? You beat, if you beat Tulsa, if you beat ECU where you're leading uh, by a decent 14, amount, 14-6 at, right? at halftime, right? And you're kind of controlling the pace. You win those two games. Now you're staring at what, four and four and five? With three games left, and now you've now you know you, you throw Cincy out of the out of the table. You're four and six, and now you have uh, two pretty winnable games, right? You've got Tulane, who's at just absolutely reeling. I think uh, I think Willie. Fr- I don't know, man. I, that's just that one. We'll we'll have to talk to JP at Fear the Wave about what the hell happened. I guess Will Hall not being there was a really big miss that we just kind of. I know I whiffed on. I I I really thought they were going to take another step forward, but it, it seemed like maybe Willie Fritz's time has kind of run its course. And then uh, Central Florida, it, it's still a pretty winnable game. I mean, they struggled against a really bad Tulane team. They had to eke out that win last week, and they've had to eke out a few of these uh, wins without without Dylan Gabriel and and you know the Gus bus is kind of teetering uh, on, on the brink here. You, they're they're going to go bowling. They're six and three, right? But it hasn't been it hasn't been pretty, and that's a it's a pretty winnable game uh, on the road. I mean, the it's not this vaunted offense that you know it's not this vaunted 2017 2018 offense that you have to worry about anymore with Mikey Keen back there. There's they've still got good players. They're still they're still fast. Bowser still you know scares the bejesus out of me. He's a big physical runner. Um, and, and with the way USF tackles, he's going to be a problem, but it's still, it's a more winnable game than you would have told me on September 2nd. Right. So, I mean, you're fighting for bowl eligibility the last two weeks of the season. If your defense coordinator is just bad instead of terrible, I, I, that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I, I've, Made it a point on our post game on the post game show on our recap. I make it a point, especially since I took over the blog. I think Colin and Jamie were a little bit more uh, trigger happy with firing coaches, um, but for good reason. I mean they they had to go through the Doug Willard years and and skip years, and I, I get that. But uh, I'm a little bit more hesitant to publicly, uh, you know, I'll. I'll, I'll tell tell people you know privately that this is probably not going to work out and you know have the same sentiments kind of echoed back to me from people around the program but uh to kind of publicly be like "Ah, this probably isn't it i'm a little bit more hesitant to do so but i've done it three times since i've taken over the blog after the ucf game in 2017 sterling gilbert in that birmingham bowl uh in 2017 uh we nailed it. Ryan Smith, uh, of a friend of the blog, longtime contributor, he called it San Diego, uh, San Jose State. He was like, "This isn't going to work." Game one, and we were like, "Oh well, you know, first game jitters. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out." By by that Birmingham ball, I was done. I was absolutely out on Sterling Gilbert. I had this is where I, I drew the line here. Uh, he was so pissed at me for saying that he should be fired. Which you know, sure, you can be you can be mad that. You know, someone's saying that you should be fired. I had before he would talk to me again, I had to apologize to him for for saying that he should be fired. And then in that same conversation, this jackass goes, well, you know, my system doesn't really fit with Quentin Flowers. You know, what position is he playing in the NFL now? 
like, dude, then fit your system around the guy, the best guy in the, in the conference, fit your system around him. And we're seeing what Sterling's doing. Uh, Charlie was probably should have been gone after that two lane game in 2018. Uh, and then early in September of 2019, I, I wrote a, a article basically saying Charlie needs to go and it, you know, what must be done uh, eventually should be done immediately. And now here we're here with Glenn Spencer. And I just, I fear that we're teetering on the brink of another Sterling Gilbert situation where the fans are just going to be out on your, one of your coordinators, one of your, your top lieutenants on, on your staff. You can't have, you can't have that. And, and, you know, the offense knows the units know which unit is really dragging behind. And I, I can tell you right now, they know what's happening and it's got to be so frustration, so frustrating for this offense, this special teams to just kind of have their efforts just blown by the wayside because the defense can't get a stop to save their life. It's that Yu-Gi-Oh meme with the three dragons and the two of them. <laughs> one is just like derping it out <laughs> a little bit and that's where that's where we're, we are right and it's it's tough there's still talent on this defensive uh you know side of the ball they're getting some reinforcements uh they should be getting even more reinforcements uh here in the next couple of weeks just got kind of hit on th- they've been kind of knocking it out of the park on their official visits and i think you guys will be pleasantly surprised as we get deeper and deeper into the early signing period which is like a month away i mean big big recruiting news right last week Steve, uh in the high school ranks yeah i mean you get a guy like eddie kelly to come to this program and and you know i i think it's it's twofold obviously you get a guy like eddie kelly who's in a in a very big position of need for USF um, at, at defensive end. Um, <laughs> yes, Alex, I'm a man of culture. I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it, not just Eddie Kelly as the defensive end, but it's the process of how you got Eddie Kelly, the defensive end, to commit to USF. I mean, you're talking about a guy that wasn't just being, like, offered by Florida State and, and, and Florida and Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, he was being courted by those schools. Like they were wanting him like, like as a pivotal part of their program. And in every single, you know, piece that they had about Eddie Kelly, the entire time he mentioned, I, I believe in Jeff Scott. He, you know, treated us like family. You know, I, did I cut out? You're still there. Well, maybe. Did I cut out? Okay. No, you guys cut out. Am I out? You're good. Okay. No, so to to plug Will Turner's piece uh, that he posted uh, his his interview with him. I mean, Jeff Scott was taking care of Eddie Kelly's mom and dad and family and everything. And and there's a great story in there. And I just to summarize it. I mean, it, there there's so much relationship building that Jeff Scott is doing, and he's doing it very early. I mean, these relationships started getting built the second he made his day his his debut in Tampa, and it's continuing on now. I mean, two years ago, that Eddie Kelly was that Eddie Kelly offer was probably nothing, and now you know, look at it now. It's 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 growing, and like Nate was alluding to, there's there's more to come. I I know everyone wants to talk about previous offers and star ratings and this and that and blah blah. Be patient with it. It's it's coming. 
the, the wave is coming. And, and if I can give any con like not to read between the lines on things, um, a lot of these players that are committing to USF on the defensive side of the ball, they don't, they're not really mentioning Glenn Spencer. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, not to sugarcoat who Eddie Kelly is or anything like that. Eddie Kelly doesn't really fit uh, a three, three, five defense. So if you want to read between the lines of things might be changing this off season, then, you know, there's, there's more guys that fit behind that Eddie Kelly mold that, uh, you know, might raise some questions if you're really trying to push a three, three, five defense. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens this off season, but it's, uh, I mean, what a, what a fantastic pickup for Yosef. It, it, it wasn't just the high three star. It's, it's getting him the way that we did. Yeah. And I think if you're questioning, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are questioning Jeff Scott's recruiting ability, read Will's article and kind of see the, the links he went to, to, to get this guy signed up. He did a really, really good job. Did a lot of research into him and his family, not just him, but his mom. Um, a really, really good article. Uh, check that out. If you kind of want to see kind of a little bit of an inside scoop on his recruitment, uh, because Will gets pretty in depth into it there, and and Jeff Scott looks pretty good when you kind of read through it. Uh, USF women's basketball won. Spoiler. I think Nate by me might be lagging behind. Oh no! Oh no! He is. Oh well, it's the Stegan Seth show now. Um, Seth, let's let's sing us a song. Oh no, we're not we're not doing no. that. No. Uh, what, was the final, so, what was the final there? Uh oh shit! I just looked at it. Uh, no. sixty-three fifty-six. Uh, not not the Blowout. most uh, not the most barn burner of games. Uh, but at the end of the day, for the USF uh, women's basketball team, uh, the road to thirty and zero starts today. Uh, and there's only 29 games left for that 30, you know, so a journey of 30 victories starts with a single victory. Uh, Jerry, how confident are we getting a dub in Orlando? I think it's possible. I, I think I'd say a lot more, a lot more, uh, a lot more confident than we were at the beginning of the season. Like Nate said a little earlier. I, uh, I feel the same like level of confidence as <laughs> I'm not going to do the opening number to love never dies. No one deserves that. Uh, I would say I'm, I, I would put that comparable to the, uh, the ECU game. Um, I, I think especially if Timmy plays, I think we might have a chance. Uh, UCF's defensive line is, is, is quite stout this year, but I think overall, I think they're not very well coached. Um, you know, I don't think they have as, as much of a, a, you know, firepower as, as they've had in the past, like Nate was alluding to. So I think it's, it's certainly possible. Um, and yeah, you know, for certain that, that Timmy and Jimmy are going to be wanting to really, you know, stick it to that, that school, you know, to not even get offered by, by UCF and they lived 22 minutes away from it. So, you know, that, that might be a, a bit of a revenge game a la uh, Shaquille and uh, Sharif Rashad or Shaquille and not Rashad, Shaquille and uh, Sharif um, Griffin. Shaquem? 
I'm um, thinking of thinking of Sharif Rashad. But didn't yeah, both of them play for the Jaguars? Like, how do you not know their names? Um. So, fun fact: my uh, at my high school, we had a uh, Sharif and Shaquille Rashad, and I I just continually will confuse those four names. They're both the basically the same thing. Shout out to uh, Episcopal School of Jacksonville. There you go. Oh Lord, um, let's let's dig into Cincinnati, right? We're we're on to Cincinnati. Okay, we're we're on to Cincinnati. Um, this Bearcats team is pretty effing good. Uh, if you guys didn't realize, dear God. So they're really good. <laughs> that's a lot of blue. That's a lot of blue. This uh, graphic was done in honor of Veterans Day coming up, along with the helmet. We've got the blue for Cincinnati, the white, and then the red for USF. So it's all part of the it's all part of the theme this week. So don't don't get too afraid. Golly, man! <clears throat> but I will say this. The one thing, the one thing that sticks out to me is USF's rushing success rate on offense, top fifty in the country. Hello, welcome to the party. They're steadily climbing. Total success rate is fifty six. The offense has steadily climbed. Um, the defense. The defense is really red. Not as much. They've actually gotten better in third and fourth downs recently. Um, but uh, when you look at early downs, EPA here, uh, right here, the early downs, that's how good are you on first and second down? Um, you don't have, you don't get to a lot of third downs if you're not very good on first and second down. So, Seth, you're, you're, tell, you're telling me if you give up uh, 9.9 yards per play, you don't see third down often? No, not typically. Hmm. When how many, team, when how many plays would you over a first down every time they snap the ball? Interesting. Don't often get to third down. That's an interesting theory that you have. Yes. Uh, so Cincinnati, obviously, it's senior night for 18 uh, USF Bulls. Um, Jeff Scott said that the 18 people who were seniors uh, unanimously wanted to come back. Then he also said, "Well, we're not we're not going to have everybody back." You know, <laughs> just how the numbers play out. A lot there's going to be a lot of. So, what are your plans next year? Uh, conversation is going to be had uh, after the Black Friday game. Uh, as USF was uh, officially eliminated from bowl contention with the loss at uh, versus Houston, um, 6 p.m. on ESPN two, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think it's 6 p.m. That dude. That? So straight Ooh. up, I'm gonna miss the first like 45 minutes of the game because I get out of work at six and I'm I'm driving from Brandon. Uh, so uh, you guys will be. Um, and I was going to say capable hands, but you guys are going to be hands of Robert Steak. Uh, he, he will be uh, live tweeting the game for us uh, until I arrive and get set up. Uh, I'll, but, I'll, I'll be looking over his shoulder. Yeah. I'll Seth, make sure you, you got to be my, you got to be my editor uh, in the so room. I'll be there. Uh, I'll, but I'll I mean, you. 6 PM on a Friday, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a reason it is. Are 
The Bucks at home this week against Washington. Anybody? That's a good question. Anybody in the chat? No. There's got to be some know. reason. Um, no, we're in Washington. We are. Um, oh, switching allegiances, huh? You guys are. <laughs> you guys are in Washington. Um, what other what other college football game is going on on Friday? Because actually, there's like nothing going on on Friday. We. It's it's here's our barn burner Friday matchups you for you folks. Man, you you score a big win it. So is it you and me? <laughs> Sounds like it. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know if it was I can never tell if it because it's usually my internet that kicks. Um yeah, so so the riveting ESPN uh Friday night matchups this year for uh, week 11, you get, you get Cincinnati and South Florida, uh, you know, top, top five Cincinnati against bottom five South Florida. And then you get, <laughs> you get Wyoming and Boise state. So you get, uh, you're getting not great. Little big, uh, sky, you got, little big sky country action. You got you got you got the Lord's country, you know, going at it in a, in a boxing match. I think it's because that Wyoming Boise State game. I, I think it's because that's it's at nine, so I think they're trying to like fit both in without like a ten p.m. Eastern time kick yeah. on a Friday it, night. Because they're usually putting the, they usually put the Pac-12 game on at ten ten thirty, so yeah, that lets them start the other game. A little bit later, but a six o'clock kick on a Friday night. It's going to be interesting here, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the TV director, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the on to Cincinnati portion of this is, uh, is can be summarized as pain. Um, I mean, yeah, they're pretty good. So they're number five in the country in the playoff. But I think are they still top two? And are they still two in a lot of the human polls? Yeah, the yeah, the, the real people interacting. Yeah, they're still number two in, in the coaches and AP. So, so you know, looking at the advanced stats here, they are really good, pretty much everywhere. Um, especially defensively, they are top twenty-five in everything. Just about top fifteen in most things. Um, so they do a really good job of so. This is an interesting one that's always fun to look at, especially with how USF kind of plays its games recently. Echo rate and points per echo. So echo rate is quality drives. So how many, what percentage of your drives are quality drives? That Those are ones that either you have an explosive touchdown or you drive the ball past the 40-yard line. So going in to score past the 40, right? Um, defensively, they, they're 15th in the country, and they don't allow a lot of quality possessions. But when they do, they're six in points per opportunity. So once you cross the 40 on them, you only score on average 2.88 points. Um, on the other side, USF is really bad at finishing those drives when they get down there, only averaging 3.3 points on offense. And then it's kind of a similar story um, with Cincinnati's offense and USF's defense. Cincinnati does a pretty good job of having quality drives, and they do a good job of finishing those drives. 12th in the country in points per quality possession with almost five. So that means they're scoring more touchdowns and field goals when they get down there. Uh, USF's 109th, giving up almost five points per opportunity. So this is definitely a game where you, you got to kind of 
make it muddy, make it murky. Um, try, maybe try to hold the ball a little bit on offense, but they are really good at rush defense. So this is going to be a really tough one. But again, Houston, if we went back and looked at Houston, it was a similar quality of defense and USF was able to have some success against them. So there is room for optimism and reason for optimism. So, I mean, what do you, how are you feeling about this game? I mean, you already, you already gave your Mr. T quote with pain, but yeah, beyond pain. that, yeah. I mean, it, I, I've, I've gotten more into the mindset of, of, of you know, the, the, any given Sunday, any given day kind of, kind of mindset, um, especially, you know, with how USF has been coming together as a, as a team. Um, you know, I, I think culturally, and that's, <laughs> this is going to sound like a bunch of BS, I'm going to jump up for a second, but like culturally, like I feel like USF is building one of the top teams in the country. You know, if you look at kind of the intangible things that coaches want out of their players, like Jeff Scott's doing a, a bang up job on that. And he inherited probably the biggest mess in the country, you know, barring one or two scandals at another university, but like you know, a, a program that was downtrodden, you know, fell fell from success, fell from the graces and everything like that. And is at least starting to re-energize the 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 team, which is starting to re-energize the fan base, started to re-energize recruiting a little bit. I, I think USF is is, you know, on the upper trajectory. And I don't think that there's many people that can deny that at this point. You know, you can look at the three and fifteen record that Jeff Scott has all you want, but you know, there 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 comes to a point where you gotta kind of ignore that and say, <laughs> like, Jeff Scott's doing a good job. Um, but Luke Fickle was in a very similar situation when he took over uh, Cincinnati, and I think where we're seeing what Cincinnati is right now is what a lot of fans for USF are kind of looking for uh, in the next couple of years. You know, consistently good, built those strong relationships, the strong roots. But I mean. Is there a possibility that USF can upset Cincinnati this week? Absolutely. I mean, there, there's there's no doubt in my head. You know, this I don't think that this is like the Alabama New Mexico game this week where you know there's not a, there's not a prayer there's not a prayer in the entire Southeastern Conference that is going to allow New Mexico to beat Alabama this week. I do think that there is, it can be some opportunities that USF can win this game. Um, you know, you got to play a perfect game on all facets, and they have yet to do that this year. Are they capable of doing it? Sure, but who knows? I I, I think that twenty three and a half point spread is probably going to be true. Uh, Cincinnati absolutely needs to hammer a team and take advantage of you know some of the teams in front of them maybe slipping in the next couple of weeks. So. You know, Cincinnati now has a chance to to get into the playoffs if if the you know dice roll their way. You know, sitting at number five, Alabama and Georgia are inevitably going to have to face off against each other. You know, the last mm-hmm. thing that Cincinnati needs to do is give the committee an excuse to slot them back to number six. Yeah. And yeah, here's my question for you: What what do you think? So Cincinnati has has not played great the last couple of weeks, right? They've they've kind of struggled. Do you think that is a trend, or do you think that's something that will motivate them to try to beat the brakes off of USF if they can? Um, I think it's a trend. Um, I think some teams are starting to figure out that 
Cincinnati, the, the key to Cincinnati is, you know, they, they run a three, three, five, very similar to how USF runs a three, three, five, and there is a way to beat it. And if there's a way that USF is going to have experience in this game, it's, you know, they probably had to face a three, three, five most of the year. So I, I think that this is a, you know, I, I think teams are starting to figure out, you know, later in the year, like everything else, they're starting to figure it out. And that may, you know, I think they're slipping. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I think they're slipping a little bit here. All right. Yeah, I mean, so the the here's their last three. So they beat UCF like a drum earlier this year. I think it was they were up 45 to nothing at one point. They won mm-hmm. that game 56-21. Since then, 27 to 20 against Navy. 31-12 against Tulane and 28-20 last week at home against Tulsa. Navy and Tulane were both on the road. So I wonder if there's something to that. It seems like when their running game is held in check, they struggle to score a little bit more. Notre Dame only 93 yards rushing, they scored 24 points. Navy only 95 yards rushing, they scored 27 points. Um, Tulane held them to 124 you know, so there's it seems like stopping the run and as good as Ritter's been, I think if you their best player on offense seems to be Jerome Ford. It so is if 100% you can slow him Ford. down, it seems like that gives you your better opportunity. You can see that here if you look at the advanced stats. EPA per rush, they're six in the country, really good. EPA per pass, 60, so about average, really. Right. <laughs> so so for instance, We'd probably say USF is an average rushing offense. They're 58th in EPA per rush, so better at running the ball than Cincinnati is passing the ball. So I, I think that's going to be a key. Can you stop the run? Um, I feel like if you were USF and you had to pick one that you feel like you could stop better, I think it may be the run because um, it seems like people are just shredding you through the air. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a game, I think, with since how Cincinnati's performed recently on the road. That kind of weird start time, travel, um, all that kind of stuff. Short week, USF's got an opportunity to 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 do something on a national stage with some great helmets, so and possibly some great uniforms. I don't know. We don't know yet. We haven't seen. We we've we've done everything we can on Photoshop to see if we can revert those, uh, you know, the silhouette, but we can't quite do it yet. Um, yeah. and, and like I said, Houston. Uh, Houston was really, and Alex has kind of the exact number here. Uh, Houston was really good defensively before the USF game last week, really high in all these metrics too. And USF was able to score on them a lot more than I thought they would. Even if you take away the, the, the two touchdowns on the kickoff returns, I thought the offense played much better. Um, you weren't on here last week, but Nate and I kind of were talking about you know what is the successful game look like against Houston, if not a victory. And I thought if they covered, you'd be really pleased with the progress they're making because I didn't think they'd be able to score enough. So they did. Uh, they scored, I think, what, well, they scored four touchdowns on the defense and then had the two kick returns. That's more than I thought they would score on that Houston defense. So offense definitely trending the right direction. And if they can score on Houston – you're hoping that can carry over a little bit to Cincinnati, who I think maybe has a little bit better high end talent. They got some pros on that defense, but Houston had Houston had some as well. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, you want to get to the predictions? Yeah, I think I think it's about that time. Nate's um, internet 
has sacrificed itself for the victory Friday. But mm. he gave his prediction 37 to 23 Cincinnati. So Steeg, I guess I'll go. We, we want we want to leave you leave you for Fine last secondly. Yeah. Uh Heath, the the colors, it, this is part of the Veterans Day. You missed it. It's part of the Veterans Day theme this week. So the red, white, and blue there. Uh, so Nate says 37-23. Um, I think we get a little regression from the USF offense. I think Cincinnati's defense is better than Houston's defense. Um, I think Cincinnati will try to pour it on. I'm going to go with like a 41-17. Or no, I'm sorry, 41-13. Cincinnati. I think they're going to try to uh, get out in front early and lay on the accelerator. So they do have a guy named Sauce. He plays corner and he is uh, probably a first round draft pick. So yeah, he's he's he is Toast, as uh, good as Ibertani. <laughs> Toast is his brother. Yes, he's Sauce. Um. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, he Sauce Gardner is great, and so is that that the other corner. I'm I'm blanking on his name, but both their corners are just absolutely ridiculous. And if if, if we get a touchdown past this game, um, mark it off as a dub in my book, uh, well, just straight the, up. The one thing that makes USF a real nightmare to defend, and we saw it a lot last weekend, is just McLean running around. Like there's, you could do everything right on defense, and he could run around for three or four seconds, extend the play, and then somebody gets open. That um, is probably going to be USF's best chance. I don't think they're going to be able to just line up and beat Cincinnati, but McLean kind of pulling out some of that magic can keep this in a close game. I just think Cincinnati is going to be too much. Yeah. So that's my prediction. We got Nate's prediction, Stieg. We are on to you to finish yeah. this off here. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is gonna take this is gonna take every every you know play in the playbook to to beat Cincinnati, and you got to get a little creative there. Um, but you know, I, I I I like to hearken this game to to you know fan favorite musical that I think everyone has uh, you know been been a part of. Um, uh, hey Seth, have you ever seen a, a Star Is Born? I have. So. Yeah, the the new one, not the old one. The old one is, uh, I mean, it's pretty good, but more, more on the under, new school under, kind of thing. Under Streisand head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, it's it's a great little great little musical. It's a uplifting you know, movie. Yeah, uh, sad ending. Uh, not to not to spoil my prediction or anything like that. Uh, but you know, at, at times I think uh, you know you you start rooting for for the the Bradley Cooper uh, character there. You know, the 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 drunk degenerate asshole. Um, you know, rock star and everything like that. And I think there, there's a lot of fans uh, that are are starting to to get that. Um, and, and you know, no no offense to anyone who's making predictions or is calling for upsets or anything like that. But um, yeah, this this is a, this is a sad song. This is, this is a sad Broadway. Uh, you know, you're you're up against uh, you're you're up against the bus saw here. And that's not the best place to be. Uh, you know, you get on stage, piss your pants. Uh, Lady Gaga laughs at you for like half a second, and then realizes, "Oh shit, I gotta go home with this guy." So, I uh, I'm not confident going into this game at all whatsoever. Just full disclosure, I, I I think you kind of 
did the uh, intangible things right going into the Houston game. You know, get those kickoff returns for a touchdown. You're probably not going to get those this week against Luke Fickle. I don't even think Brian Batiste is going to get a return. Um, I think Cincinnati knows that they got to just absolutely just work the pipe here. I'm going with like a 56 to to 10. I, I mean, I, I I hesitated to give USF points because I really do think Cincinnati's defense is just going to come out all all cylinders firing, and I think Luke Fickle knows that. The biggest way to you know make a statement to your your college football playoff people is to just you know bollywop a team like this. And this is the time where you can't let another team fool around with you. You can't, you can't let them do it. Did you say work the pipe? Don't let them fool around with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just sorry. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, so we're all predicting a really tight game <laughs> for Friday, but you know what they say? Crazy things happen at six o'clock. Hey, I, I won't be surprised if USF pulls off the upset. I just really don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I will be surprised um, <laughs> for that. I mean, for, 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 for Robert Sieg, for Nate and his, uh, his uh, failing internet, I'm Seth Varnador. This is a Blue Mountie podcast brought to you by Irish 31. Sieg, big fan of Irish 31. Big Tell fan of Irish 31. It. Oh, man. Let me tell you about Irish 31. At, uh, at seven oh. different locations around like the, the, the Bay Area. Uh, you got, you know, you got that one stupid one up in Oviedo, but uh, with, with seven great From locations. Sarasota to Oviedo. Yeah, you've and got. Up, and everywhere in between. You've got some fantastic places to watch the game. You know, obviously go watch uh, the USF game uh, when they're away at Tulane and at uh, UCF. But, you know, you can also go there for, you know, some other games, you know, some Premier League games, you know, maybe some NFL action, some some Bulls games. You know, you got, you got the whole gambit goal. Maybe if you're an NBA fan. The NBA season just restarted. You know, you can you can go there, watch some shooty hoops. Uh, fantastic locations, fantastic drink specials, great food. Um, you know, you gotta gotta love the box teas. Yeah, love love Irish thirty one. Those those guys really know how to how to Irish the thirty ones. You know, that's right. I mean, I mean, look, look at this. It's just the it's the comments are rolling in here. Irish thirty one is a great place with great people. Wow, I love Irish 31. Stieg loves the Irish 31. Watch party was great. They allow dogs. They do allow dogs. So if you're looking for a, a, a place. Oh, sorry. Sorry. A miss, unfortunate missed opportunity. If you're looking for a place to watch a game with your dog, your figurative dogs and your literal dog, you can do it all at Irish 31. I heard if you ask them, they'll play Air Bud for you. So. They've got enough screens. They've got enough screens. You can watch Air Bud Golden Receiver on one screen, watch USF game on the other screen, and they have alcohol to make it all work. So it all comes down to watch, baby. There you go. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with um, the film room. We'll I'm sure we'll look at a little bit of defense. Uh probably some of the great offense stuff and a little bit of the special teams. We got an interesting film film room all the way around. Uh, and then the game is Friday. So the week is coming to an end very quickly. S- any final thoughts, Steve? Uh, 2020, 20, uh, 2022 is going to be fun. That's it. Whole lines coming back. It looks like, Hey, 
I, whew, you want, you want to get me excited for next season already. You bring back everyone that's been productive on this offense. That'll work. That'll work. That'll right. work. Go bulls. Hopefully Go bulls. Have a good night. Great uniforms coming up. Hopefully. I hope. <laughs> I hope we need something positive going into this game. Beautiful uniforms coming with a great helmet leading to a Bulls victory. There go we Bulls. go. Go Bulls.